Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yo, it's Gorilla Central out there. Get the up. Juice heads everywhere. You're lying. No, it's Labor Day weekend. They're all over the world. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. It's our pop culture roundup for the week, and we're doing a little bit of a recap Monday as well with our recaps of Teen Mom, The Next Chapter, and Love is Blind, After the Altar. Was it worth it? No. I'll tell you right now. Don't waste your time watching the Love is Blind specials. They weren't good. I, I'm going to save you a lot of time. <laughs> Don't bother. Um, but let's get into our pop culture roundup for the week. We have so much to talk about. So much so, I think I might have to make an announcement because I did promise the Patreon subscribers that we were going to be discussing the ultimatum. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. So I've made an executive decision. We're going to be talking about BS High and I might even do a YouTuber deep dive. I don't know if you guys have been hearing about this Ruby Frankie story, but I wrote so many notes about what the hell's going on with that. And I just feel like it's a lot for a main episode. So maybe I'll talk about it on Patreon this week and then BS High next week. And then we'll just move onward and upward towards other things. So I'm deeply sorry to those of you who watch The Ultimatum. Maybe I'll talk about it at some point, but I don't think it's going to be a full Patreon episode. But you can check out the fun over at patreon.com slash podcast. Its link is in the episode description. We have a good time, guys. Check it out. Um, So yeah, Woo, let's get into it. Starting off with breaking news, our girl, mm, 
I don't know if I'm going to give Joe Jonas the girl. I don't, I don't know if she's quite made it to that level, but I will say with this breaking news, I do have my eyes open, my third eye and the other two as well. And I'm going to keep abreast of the story. So it has just been breaking that Joe Jonas has acquired a divorce attorney um, and is going to be filing, I guess, against uh, the Game of Thrones actor Sophie Turner that he's been married to for like three years. They got two kids together. And yeah, the streets are talking. But the interesting thing that the streets are saying in the TMZ article that I read really kind of painted Sophie in a light that I found questionable. So they're saying that um, over the last few months, Joe has been caring for their two kids basically all the time. Now, the Jonas Brothers have been on tour, I think, all summer. Um so that is really telling to me, like to p- paint a picture as though this is an absentee parent in Sophie, especially when Joe is like hard at work on tour and he's like, you know, busy. I think it's, we know enough. I know that you guys know, we all know enough about PR speak to know that like something about that is very intentional and something about that is like, we're, we're painting a picture moving forward with this divorce proceedings. So I'm going to keep watch on that because one thing about me is that like, I, I don't believe a man. Okay. And I rarely believe men when they say that they're better parents than the, the mother. Now, is that fair? No. Do I care? Oh, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to see. The streets are also saying that maybe Joe and Sophie tried to open up the relationship or maybe Joe tried to open up the relationship and Sophie found out about it. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on. Something happened. At least Joe, the Jonas Brothers are getting a real scandalous. And y'all were up in my comments. Check me out on Instagram at everyone's business but mine because y'all... Uh, told me some things about Joe Jonas's past behavior with girls that he dated uh, back in the day that I did not know about. There were like some significant age differences. I believe he and Sophie are seven years apart and they met when she was 19 and he was 26. So um, girls, what's going on? What's going on? We're going to talk about it. Speaking of what's going on, I really was like, hmm, maybe we should talk about Croy and Kim this week. But so much has happened that once I wrote down the notes and just went through the timeline, I'm like, wow, this is really sad. Kim, is Kim okay? I know the answer to that is no, but like somebody in her circle needs to start at. Where's Chef Tracy? Is she still on the payroll? Is there a payroll? Is anybody getting paid? Can anybody talk to Kim? And is anybody getting paid? So we, I'm just going to keep this quick and I'm just going to go down the timeline real quick. So last week we talked about how Croy filed for divorce again. Kim then has pictures taken outside of some church in Georgia. Uh, she's posted outside of, in the parking lot, not parked correctly. Where is your scooter? It's giving. And she's, her car is parked like on this, by the sidewalk, right? By the curb of the church. She's outside of the car the car door is open she's just like pacing back and forth outside of this church during like non-business hours with a 
tank top that she has formed she's lifted so you can see her abs so it's now a crop top and she's crying and hiding her face from the paparazzi and then looking and then hiding and then looking again it's like Kim, did you come on like if we're gonna have this conversation in, in orange county this week about heather and dr terry dubrow calling the paparazzi and having them uh take pictures at Disneyland, then we could certainly have the conversation about uh, Kim Zolciak having paparazzi take pictures of her in the middle of the day outside of a church in suburban Georgia. Kim, work with us, please. Try. Can you try? Can you try a little? So after that, Kim calls the cops at some point during this, at some point in, in uh, August, it comes out that Kim called the cops because Croy locked her out of the home and left a pillow on the front doorstep. So then, so then Kim and Brielle fly to, fly to L.A. This is after he's announced that he's filed for divorce again. She goes to, to the Atlanta airport, going to LAX with her ring still on. And the paparazzi also there. Like, did they go from the church to the airport? Who's to say? Um, they're asking her, Kim, why are you still wearing your engagement ring? And she's all confident. Oh, it's whatever. Corey's going to um, take it back again. Don't worry about it, guys. The next, not 24 hours, Corey's lawyers come back and say, no, 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 girl. Dead ass. We're filing. The, the ink is dry. And it's going to remain in here. There's no no take-backs. No takesy-backsies here. And on top of that, Corey's asking the judge to allow them to sell their uh, valued at $3 million house because they're broke. With the broke ass. He's been, he requested an emergency hearing to put the house on the market because all us haters and losers... Who were lying about their house being foreclosed on. Y'all see me there on my birthday. Y'all, I'm going to be there all the holidays. Watch, watch what happens. No. Corey said, we uh, defaulted on our payments again in July. Sorry. But we're facing foreclosure yet again. So, he also said um, that Kim and Brielle have been selling their bags and, and their used, not used bags. Brand new, but we've seen them everywhere. Bags online. He's been saying... He's been selling his shit and it's been going towards the mortgage. They've been selling their shit and they were just spending it on whatever the fuck. These flights to LA, I guess. At one point during their LA trip, I'm seeing they're posting pictures at some brain scan doctor. Thank you for scanning me and Brielle's brain. They didn't find anything in Brielle. And I'm like, I don't, is that like, was that a read or... Yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, they come back from LA. Of course, she's not wearing the ring anymore. This is so embarrassing, babe. Come on. Come on. So they're asking her, are you going to, do you, did you know that Croy's going to sell the house? And she's like, oh yeah. Like, you know, of course she's never going to say she got caught up with the okie doke. Yeah. It was a mutual decision. Oh, okay. Did Croy tell you? No, no, no. I tell him what to do. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know if we would be acting like big boss Beerman right now. How are you getting home? On what credit card? Brielle? Who's? Brielle's going to be in Dubai very soon. And I think we'll see that. 
And once you see that, you'll just be like, hmm, because I'm going to look at it too. And I'm not going to say anything. We're just going to see her posted pictures in Dubai. And that's all I'm going to say about that. If you know, you know. And if you don't, look it up. Ooh, you guys, I wanted to talk about something, Tales from the Internet, something that I promised that I was going to be doing more often, and I completely abandoned it, but we're back, baby, and we're talking about the Tabby Shoe Stealer. Have you heard about this? I'm dying. <sighs> Dating is horrifying, you guys. It really, really is. <laughs> it really is. So there's this chick, her name is Lex on Tinder. I will link her TikTok account. Sorry. Her name is, she's on TikTok. Uh, I'll link her account in the episode description, but she says she's on Tinder. She's on the app. She's like, you know, cute t- designer, 20 something girl living in New York. She happens to be walking in Soho. She's wearing these shoes, the Margella tabbies, and she walks by this guy. He's cute. They make eyes on each other, but she keeps it pushing right later that day. She gets a message on Tinder from a guy named Josh, 23 years old, you know, like cute chocolate boy, nose earring, like fashion killer, very like hip, listens to the weekend kind of dude, right? So he's like, yo, did I see you on the street that day? And she was like, oh yeah, didn't realize that they had matched before, but they start talking. They make plans to go get drinks. Now she's just looking at him like, you know, we're going to kick it. I'm going to get my, and I'm going to keep it moving. But they hang out and she says he's a little bit hesitant to hang out again. Like he's a little bit reserved, but they end up making plans anyway. And I think that time they have sex. He spends a night. They have this conversation about fashion because he's like a fashion dude. And he was like, oh, I always wanted these tabbies, but I wanted them in the boot style. And she's like, oh yeah, like I happen to have some... She points them out on her shoe rack and like, they're just talking fashion, whatever. They bang, go to sleep, bang again in the morning. She's brushing her teeth. She's like, okay, can you leave? But he's like, oh, you know, there's a Spotify playlist that I want to introduce you to, but I don't have an account. So I can't show it to you on my phone. So she's like, oh, okay, well, I'll, she opens up the app on her phone, hands it to him. And then he's like, oh, I can't find it. So they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, see ya. <laughs> Bye. So then she's like kicking it at her apartment, doing her thing, working. She looks over at her shoe rack, just like, those shoes are gone. She's looking all over, like, there's no way in hell. They're gone. Can't find them anywhere. Under the bed, nothing, right? So she goes to Tinder to message a guy and be like, hey, did you see my shoes? She finds he unmatched her. (laughs) Okay. But then she's like, oh, well, I have his number anyway. And then she goes to her call log and sees that when he was pretending to look for the Spotify playlist, he was actually deleting her history. And so she couldn't find it. So even though she calls the phone company and she's like, you know, can I get my log? They're like, well, you can only get it. We can't give it to you until you get your uh, bill, your itemized bill. So she is like in a bind. So at this point, she makes this TikTok and is like, ladies, do your thing. And boy, did they. So she's posting while she's telling the story in the background are the pictures of him, screenshots from his Tinder, and obviously, like, this goes viral. People find it, his people find it, they reach out, they're like, yo, I know this dude, here's his Instagram. She finds his sister's info, you know, people in his circle, but at this point, he all obviously knows that the story's going around, so he privates his Instagram. 
So now she can't message him, but she's like, fuck you, dude. Reaches out to his sister, reaches out to a few other people. And then a couple hours later, Josh calls her and starts gaslighting her. Like, I, it's not in my character. I would never steal those shoes. I don't know what happened, blah, blah, blah. But then he starts to offer her money. He's like, oh, I'll give you 500. I'll give you a thousand dollars for the shoes, which they're like, thousand dollar shoes so she's like of course at this point if you're offering me money clearly you're guilty because why would you do that and then here's where it gets worse it goes from worse to worser during the midst of all of this while he's claiming i would never i didn't i couldn't not possible somebody sends her a screenshot of his girlfriend wearing the shoes she posted it on her Instagram stories. So while he's like, they're going back and forth through the text message and he's like, I would never do that. She just sends him the screenshot, the picture of his girlfriend wearing the shoes in her Instagram stories. And what does he say? I, you got me. <laughs> I, you got me. I'll get them back to you. Just give me a time and place. I'm just asking you for you to remove the TikTok is all. Now, babe, it's too late for you, Josh. It's too late for you, brother. And this is why, this is why I, I refuse to be on an app. Refuse. Kicking and screaming you would drag me to an app. Oh, don't, don't date a guy below 14th Street. If he's single, he's not. If he's single, he's not. I will say it again. If he's on Tinder and he lives in New York, he lives downtown, uh, if he lives anywhere below 28th Street, anywhere in North Brooklyn, anywhere above Park Slope, Bushwick included, he tells you he's single, he's not. Keep it pushing, girl. You don't want to be the next one whose dude, oh, imagine the girlfriend. I'm trying to imagine the scenario in which he presents his girlfriend with these shoes and she's like, oh my God, babe, only to find out that he stole them as some sort of fuck present to give to you, a fuck souvenir to give to his girlfriend. What? <laughs> and he's 23 years old. I feel like this happens, like y'all are, they're evolving so quickly. They're evolving so quickly. This is like elite level fuckboy down. This is master level. It's incredible. It's incredible that he thought he would get away with this. And this is what I'm saying, girls. Keep, keep it, keep it in your pocket. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Don't let these men play you over a fucking tabby boots. Those boots are, the shoot, they're ugly. And I'm sorry, we're going to have to talk about it. They're not even cute. Anyway, um, she got them back. He ended up giving them back. He was like, oh, please just remove the video. She still has not as of now. And I don't think she should. Good on you, girl. Good on you, Lex. Love you. Whew. Men in Manhattan are down by a million. So, of course, we got to talk about the rat house divided. That the, the shock around every quarter of the universe, except for mine, I will say. And I don't mean that, like... I don't want to like toot my own horn and be like, I was right, even though I was about this couple. This is not about me being right, even though I was. This is just to say that I was correct. Anyway, <laughs> if you guys don't know, Summer House's Carl Radke and Lindsay Hubbard, 
well, it, it came out that their engagement and the relationship has broken up. Um, the streets are saying, my sources are saying that he, they had finished filming, typically, you know, the Summer House films for Memorial Day or 4th of July to Labor Day, right? Um, typically, uh, they would end, they would have ended filming this weekend. However, for whatever reason, they wrapped filming last weekend, presumably because they would pick up filming again for Carl and Lindsay's wedding that was supposed to be happening in November. However, allegedly on Tuesday or maybe Monday, Lindsay gets a call from production saying, Hey, we're going to come over to your house, uh, to film. She thinks that's weird, but you know what? It's not 48 hours after they wrapped filming. We'll see what's up. And in that, Carl, just like, I don't think I can do this. And uh, I can't, so I'm not going to. Um, we're, we're breaking up, but I can't do it. Now, we don't know really the reasons why. Um, I've kind of heard that maybe Carl was just feel, feeling overwhelmed. Like... With her, them as a couple, the wedding coming up, things of that nature. But in terms of like what has been, uh, if we can even say confirmed, it's just like obviously Lindsay's camp has come out and said, even if you're going through a hard time, breaking up with somebody on camera is pretty dirty and not something that you do to somebody who loves you. And there have been other people who have said, well, we have seen the beginning and middle of this relationship. And so... We might as well see it, the end of it. That's only fair. Um, I don't know if I, like, really believe that we're, like, entitled to people's relationships. Although I'm sure I have suggested as much. In fact, I know I have. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like, I don't know that we necessarily need to see people break up live on camera. Or for somebody to find out that they're being dumped two months before their wedding, live on camera. That I, like, don't need to see. I will. I'm going to be rewinding it so many times. I'm going to be replaying it like some sort of NFL tape. But did we, will we need to see this? No. There are a lot of also people who say that because he did this on camera, this is very clearly PR, and I just want us to take a breath and a lap, okay? I think we have, not, not me, but a lot of people have gotten their their wheels spinning a lot, like have convinced themselves that Scandaval was fake and done for PR, even though it was not, it was not, it wasn't, it was not. Scandaval was not a PR thing. It's not fake. It's very real. And I, it's not. Okay. And so I think people have convinced themselves of something that is not true. Scandaval is not fake. And that because of this, any breakup that happens in the Bravo sphere is now like, oh, well, this is just fake to drum up PR for or ratings for the show. I don't think that this is the case either. I think we're 0 for 2 on those theories. So let's just like let them go, shall we? Let's just let them go. But I say all this to say that with regard to Carl and Lindsay, y'all have you, you, those of you who have been listening to my Summer House recaps, since they got together, have known that I have not really seen it for this relationship. And I know y'all also who have been listening to my earlier Summer House recaps have been very clear on my, the fact that I'm very H-word for Carl. And 
that is not why I did not see it for this relationship. I saw a lot of red flags. And here is what I'm going to break down in a more intelligent way. So we're going to enter into Kara's corner where I'm going to pretend like I'm a psychologist or somebody who works in the mental health space and explain to you what I think really happened with Carl and Lindsay. We're going to set it up, right? Let's go back to oh, the year of Kyle and Amanda's wedding. This is also the year, the summer of Stravi, if I'm not mistaken. At the end of the season, they have, the house has a mock wedding for Kyle and Amanda. Carl makes a speech and in that speech, this really stuck with me, he makes it very clear that he's looking for what they have or what he thinks they have, which is, I felt like Carl was saying that he sees Amanda making Kyle the man he is today, Mr. Loverboy, that he's now mature, he is now business-minded, he is now like a man, a capital M man, and it's all due to Amanda, and that he was looking for his own version of Amanda, and I was like, ooh, that's not good, babe, we're gonna have to talk about this in couples counseling. So then, we have the breakup with Stravi, right? Lindsay, very unapologetically, and I want to be very clear, this is not like, I'm not going to be coming off on Lindsay, like, it might sound like it, but I, just objective, I'm a very objective hub house girly, okay? Lindsay, unapologetically, publicly, sat on this TV, showed us her timeline for life, that she wanted to adhere to with Stravi, she wanted the engagement, then the marriage, then the kids, then they buy an apartment, then they get maybe a house in the Hamptons, blah, blah, blah. Like, she had that whole page, the whole page, okay? And now we have, and that didn't break up. That, you know, sandwiches, whatever. She and Stravi break up. Now Carl's newly sober. He's looking at a very different lifestyle moving forward in a way that he, like, now has to be more accountable for himself. And, like, he can't just be wasted down at the Montauk Surf Club on a Saturday night and like trying to figure out how to get to work on Monday. Like that's, he's, he's going to be at Barry's boot camp and like making his bed and, and going on runs in the morning. Like that's his new lifestyle. I think Carl has committed to a very structured lifestyle because that's what makes him feel good until he can like figure out like realistically how he's going to be living the rest of his life. Right. In a way that he's comfortable with, with regard to his sobriety or whatever. Okay. So now we have two people who were in like very similar but different places in their life where like they clearly are standing at a crossroads and they have to like make a decision and they're like, oh, we're going to just do it together. Because here's the thing. Remember that girl from Love Island that Kyle, that Carl tried to date? Yeah, me either. Remember? She was in that whole season. We barely remember. <laughs> and he was like, I like her until he was like, no, I don't actually don't like her at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> so here's my thing. I think Carl, and I can understand why, was probably in a position where he's like, I don't really want to have to explain myself to anybody. I don't want to have to go through the whole thing. Maybe on some level, my sobriety, like I'm still kind of insecure about it. But like, I have this whole story that I don't have to tell with Lindsay because she knows it already. And that's really fucking easy. <laughs> and then at the other side, Lindsay is now at this point where she's like, I'm going to fall in love with any man who makes prolonged eye contact with me. And God bless her. Like, live live that. Couldn't be me. But, like, I'm happy to see her being a freewheeling Bob Dylan. Like, 
I'm supporting her that. It seemed like a mistake, but I support her. So now we get to Kyle and Amanda's actual wedding, and they're like, oh, like, you're looking good. I don't have to be with the work. It's just like, set it and forget it. Let's do this. It's so much easier. We're already on TV. I don't have to explain that to you. You already know my dark, dirty secrets, because you've seen me, like, both, we've both seen each other slurring and drunk and sloppy and screaming at each other. Remember that first date that we saw them go on that lasted about 90 seconds before they were screaming at each other? It's just wild. And so what I think happened is a karmic relationship. Do you guys know what that is? It's often mistaken with a twin flame where you guys are like two sides of the same coin and like equally yoked and you guys were meant to meet in these li- this lifetime and you guys have probably met in several different lifetimes. People think a twin flame, they, these things often get mistaken. But here's what a karmic relationship is. It's like meant to be something that is like super hot and heavy you have all this chemistry it's an intense connection and it like feels really right but there's always something bubbling under the surface you're having the same fights over and over there's highs and lows there's a bunch of red flags like you know perhaps the fact that Lindsay was sober in her words for carl but then we kind of find out in the winter house that kyle spills The reason why is because Carl was getting really aggravated with Lindsay's behavior when she was drinking and almost broke up with her. So she made the decision to be sober. And remember at the beginning of last season where she was going off on Maya for smoking weed with Carl and a couple other people. And the thing that she kept saying was like, I chose to be sober for Carl. And like, why isn't other people, why aren't other people recognizing that? Like, this is, and I kept saying, like, this is a choice that you made for your relationship. Doesn't it's not really the responsibility of other people to like rah rah Aviva. Like we made a sign for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just not that it's not their responsibility. But to me, it felt like she, what she was really saying is that this is a sacrifice that I didn't want to make, and I feel like I'm not getting like enough acknowledgement or recognition for it because like why is it Maya's responsibility to know that Lindsay got sober for Carl and therefore that's why she shouldn't be suggesting that they smoke weed together now there were other elements of like maybe you shouldn't be texting somebody's boyfriend I get that but like on the other hand the crux of it was Maya wasn't responsible responsible for anybody's uh, sobriety but also like what came out was that Carl's really California sober But again, I mean, this is just the information that Maya had, but it was like Lindsay wanted Maya to be acknowledging of the sacrifices, again, that she made, which like really pointed to some issues for me. Obviously, we saw a couple fights where um, Lindsay would drink. She would get a little like volatile, for lack of a better word, but Carl would one, leave her hanging high to try to fight her own battles, but two, like not communicate that he actually didn't like how her, she was behaving. And they would just like, oh, just sweep things under, under the rug and like act like everything was cute again. Other signs of karmic, karmic relationships, codependency. Need I say more? Um, miscommunications, really passionate arguments, um, feeling like you're addicted to being around the other person, um, Breakups and makeups, possessive behavior, 
long term, these relationships often become toxic and you end up being out the worst in each other. Feeling on edge and, and very unsettled. Things that I saw were very clear to to Carl. Like Carl's very obviously um, uh, conflict averse and was just like, I, I can't, I don't want to do this. And so I'm just not going to. And I will scream it to, to the end of times that I know that Danielle was like very emotional and highly charged and even um, unhinged, we could say at times with regard to her reaction of her breakup, friendship breakup with Lindsay, but also the dynamic between Lindsay and Carl. There were things that she was hitting on though, you know? And I want to say, and I will always say that I feel like Carl was more either conflicted with regard to Lindsay and Danielle or was more on Danielle's side than he was willing to admit to his partner, which is an issue for long term. So yes, while it is very shitty (laughs) to be broken up with on camera, I can't imagine. One, I will say, break up with me now before we get married because I tell you, if I put this dress on and I have to live with the memories of thinking that I had this like beautiful wedding that was so lovely and with the man who really loved me and wanted to marry me, knowing damn well that he didn't, I would be in a bin, loony bin, straight jacket, okay? So with all that being said, I hope that you respect Carl and I's privacy while we work towards our new relationship And I will let you know when we have set the wedding date. Anyway, with that, you guys, let's tune into the recap for Teen Mom. And then, no, it'll be Love is Blind and then Teen Mom. And I feel like I've I've always supported you and Josh. I never tell you to leave him when you guys go through your shit. Do I need to talk to Josh? We asked you to post that. Nobody... And we were cool. I'm allowed to tell my story. And Jack and I was going to post it. it. And we were cool with that. But when you're, when, you're leaving up, when you're leaving up comments like, oh, okay, Josh, da-da-da, bye, Josh, from your friend, There's that's like disrespectful. There's over 100 you, comments. You I'm not monitoring you didn't, you didn't have to do that. Because if I, I, have if a I would career. have, if I have, you're trying to clout chase, anything. you're trying to clout chase clout for no chase. reason. Clout chase? Yes. I don't know how you deal with this man every single you day of your life. You guys could have He's a six-year-old. I really don't know how you deal with this. Because you're clout chasing. If you didn't know that Love is Blind had an after the altar for season four, fear not. You didn't need to watch it. I did, so you don't have to. Was it worth it? No. Are we going to get into it? Yeah, because I wrote notes. So (laughs) we all know the drill for these after the altar, right? Like whoever gets to be, whoever's the golden couple of that season gets to host everybody else they pick a party that's like arbitrary it just happens to be somebody's birthday or whatever and this serves as the environment for everybody to get back together and like settle old beefs if they have them right and I feel like we have not had the magic of an after the altar since like really season one all of the rest of them could have been an email for me but I guess our um Tiffany and Brett are the golden couple for season four. They're now living in Portland because he works for Nike. Tiffany's like in her soft girl era, as she says, which I'm assuming, fingers crossed, means that she's like living the life of a a river rich wife and is like going to yoga and just living her best life. So good for them. Bliss and Zach are number three. The first scene of them is at the doctor's, right? And it's total jump fake like we're supposed to believe that they're on the baby track but actually they're on well they're 
on the fur baby track, I guess, because Bliss had a dog and a cat. She had to rehome them, or not rehome them, but like, uh, just like have them stay with family while Zach worked out his pet allergy issues. So that's why they're at the doctor. So they were able to get the cat back and they're like working on get the dog back or whatever. They're living their best lives. It turns out that Bliss and Zach and Chelsea and Kwame live like seven minutes away from each other. They're really close and they're like gushing about how when they travel with each other, they'll just get one room with the two queen beds and just share that. That's how close they are. And is that like you guys are super close or is it like the Netflix budget is low and so you decided maybe it's just more economical for us to just do one hotel room instead of two. <laughs> we could we could be able to eat off of the rest of the money. I guess our big conflict, if you really want to call it that, is between Paul and Micah. Because this, Paul is like sort of in his villain era with his I felt. The first time we see Micah, she's kicking it with Paul's mom. The one who looked just like her. Her mom is like has a serious girl crush on Micah. She's like, oh, we're like besties. You're so gorgeous. I can't get over how beautiful you are. Straight up tells Micah, boys are stupid, including my own son. So whatever. Like he thinks that you're my friend. I love you. Whatever issues he has, that's on him. But like whatever we got going, our, our friendship, that's forever. So Paul's mom, Liz, is like, well, what's going on with you and Paul right now? And she's like, well, look, he said that he didn't see me as being a mother to his children or at all or us being together in 10 years. So, like, what's the point of me still pursuing it if I still have feelings for him? But Liz tells Micah, he's talking to somebody, actually. But, like, compared to you, I don't really think the chemistry that he has with this other chick is worth talking about, right? So... Then she says, you know, I spoke to Paul and he was almost defiant about his love for you. But like, I just feel like you guys needed more time. And that's really it. So Paul tells um, his mom when he talks to her about this new girl that he's talking about, talking to and how she loves cooking. But that's like a big thing for him. Mike is not really into it. And they, they just like, they're just on the same level, but a little bit more than he is with Micah. And he explains Look, I went to go see Micah in Arizona for a weekend. I went to visit her. She's the one who broke things off with me. And now she's back living in Seattle. It seems like she kind of wants to entertain us dating again. And I just don't really want to be with somebody who only wants to date me when it's convenient to them. And his mom's response to that is, well, Micah could have the creme de la creme if she wants. And honestly, she couldn't be more lovely lovely girl <laughs> so Paul's just sitting there like okay well thanks mom but then he also reminds his mom you're the one who told me anything less than a yes would be a no and maybe my answer would have been different had Micah gone first instead of me but she tells him just beg just get on bended knee beg her back Begging goes a long way, son. Just try it out. And then we have to move on to Jackie and Josh because there's really nothing else to talk about. Tiffany and Brett, perfectly fine, happy. Bliss and Zach, perfectly fine, happy. Nothing to report, really. So we have to go to Jackie and Josh. Jackie and Josh, who we didn't see together until the reunion. 
And she was like all drunk in love against Marshall. So Jackie's explaining to us, it's been a long year. Like y'all know I was getting reamed on the internet, but like, I don't care what you guys say. That's my man, my man. I love my man. He's fine with his little cauliflower ears. I be licking them every night. Like she's, she's good. Me and my man are good over here. And so Jackie and Josh go on this like romantic date where he's, I think they're on like, like a Ferris wheel, like whatever the London eye equivalent in Seattle is, right? Um, He's serving her champagne, gives himself more than her. And when she asks about it, he says, because I'm big daddy. And then he throws something at her. I'm not sure. And he tells her that she needs to stay ready. And this is a man that she has. uh, Wow. (laughs) I guess I shouldn't be surprised because she really fell in love with him when they had that, like, let's all meet up for drinks at the bar after we're all coupled up. And she saw him and his dankly earring and him being absolutely wasted and thought, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go for that. So, you know, God bless her. God bless her. So then we see the three couples. Obviously, they don't consider Jackie and Josh part of this. They see the, We see the three couples getting together for their first year anniversary. They all have a dinner. And boring. Boring. The only thing that came out of that is Kwame asking um, Zach how often he sings around the house. And he's like, oh, if I'm in a good mood, there'll be like, there have been some two-hour sessions around there. <laughs> Everybody's like, wow, really? Two, two hours? incredible Chelsea tries to cry about how they haven't been able to travel yet and that was like such a big part of Kwame's life before they got together and how important it was but she's got the work schedule and the dog and like she's like you know I just like like I just feel like I'm taking something from him he's like I'm I'm fine actually like I'd like to get back to traveling but like it's okay it's it's only been a year girl like you guys have been okay (laughs) And to be honest with you, a year where you guys are, like, actually living real life after this experiment, probably much better than you guys having honeymoon after honeymoon traveling all over the world, like, just, you know, trying to make things happen and moments happen, right? Like, it's probably better that you guys actually lived a realistic life. So at this dinner, they planned the rest of the series, which is them celebrating Chelsea's birthday and they're going to be doing a co-ed flag football game with the rest of the cast and they start cracking jokes about how Jackie's going to tell Marshall to boss up on the football field and Kwame's probably not going to wear a shirt and you know it wasn't too far off so we get to episode two this is three episodes Marshall arrives Marshall's got a new girlfriend named Shay he's been with her for about a year now and then we meet up with Micah again with her two bitter Betty besties from the season, Arena and Shelby. You remember Shelby? Shelby. <laughs> Shelby's old hateful ass. So Micah's telling them, you know, it just feels really disrespectful for Paul to be like talking to me. Like we've been texting and communicating, but he's also got this chick on the side, this chick that he's been talking to. And so really, I think I just need to have closure with Paul, like just shut it down completely. Jackie has to film people with people that we don't even remember from the season, like Keisha, because I guess after she dated Marshall, Marshall got everybody else in the the, uh, custody agreement, (laughs) but she says, yeah, basically nobody wants to talk to her, and that she's had Marshall blocked on his phone, and so 
we have to, you know, get a little refresher on who the hell Keisha is, because I don't even remember her from the pods, frankly. But Keisha and Jackie had a really good friendship. They were like part of some core four with a couple other girls. And Keisha was the one who Jackie said at the reunion was like, oh, you know, when Jackie was like, oh, you know, he doesn't really care about me that much. He's already talking to some other chick. And the reason why he wanted his engagement ring back from me was so that he could give it to the next girl. And then Marshall was like, oh, no, this girl just reached out to me. We went on one date. Like, it really wasn't that deep. So that's Kate. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Keisha, I don't remember her. I don't think you guys remember her. Keisha, who's choosing to be on television with us now and remind us who she is and what the association is, is like, you know what? I really didn't appreciate Marshall bringing up my name on TV because I was just like doing my thing out there in the real world. And that just brought everything up. And I think Keisha, sister, girl, come on. I don't think we, I don't think that's what happened. I bet maybe upwards of 13 people went through the effort of looking up who Marshall was referring to and maybe maybe they posted a comment on your Instagram but this is giving Streisand effect like you're saying I don't appreciate that he brought me up but why are you here then if you wanted to just lay low and do your thing then why didn't you just continue to do that you're I feel like she thinks that she's gotta like take a stand for herself as the other woman but girl it wasn't that deep we forgot all about it but Keisha also says that it wasn't just like one little whatever date that he was saying things to her like, oh, I wish that things were maybe different and I hadn't gone for Jackie in the pods. Maybe we would have been married. And it's like, okay, I hear you. I think you guys want Marshall to be a villain. And like, I get it, I guess. I don't really get it. And also, we don't really care. So, sorry, babes. So Chelsea and Kwame have dinner with both sides of their family. She's all in. So what we've been hearing is that like Chelsea has been like, I've seen her down to the clubs. She's like, you know, meet me at the trap. It's going down. Like she knows, she knows things. I've seen her in action and she's like integrated herself into Kwame's life heavily. <laughs> we will say that. Truly the most interesting thing that came out of this entire after the altar was Kwame talking about his journey from Africa where his parents had left him and his siblings in the care of their uncle while they moved to America to like, you know, make a life for them. So his parents left him. He was six months old. So he had no ties to his parents like emotionally or anything like that. So by the time they get to America, he's like, who's this lady hugging me? And he's like, oh, like it's clicking for me. These must be my parents. 
We know one of the biggest things, issues between Chelsea and Kwame was that Kwame's mom was maybe not going to like Chelsea or accept Chelsea. So we find out that Chelsea came, she went home with the family and met his mother and she had like taken the time to write this card thanking Kwame's mom for raising him and like for the man that he is and how she had her own moment and read the card and there was like a shift after that where like she felt like Chelsea like Kwame's mom really understood where Chelsea who she was and like her intentions right so things are all good with them then we see a clip of Jackie and Josh move in together and got a I'm not gonna lie he did not seem as into this as she did that seemed to be a a continuing theme but then we go to the day of the football game the flag football game where these golden goblets versus a pod squad we saw like 10 minutes of this game which shows you how little they had to work with because we're seeing people like i said from the pods who i'm like these aren't even people who like made a splash in the pods they didn't match with somebody and we didn't see them again no these are people who like we don't have any sort of ties to again this could have been an email netflix don't feel the pressure like don't you don't have to do this next time you shore up the money for other things it's fine they even make chelsea and micah have a like come to jesus moment with each other and i just feel like we address this like Micah Kwame Chelsea love triangle or square if you want to include Paul in this a long time ago. I didn't think that we really needed to go over this again. And again, why is Shelby there? Shelby, you weren't even on the show. <laughs> you were a friend of. We don't need you. And nobody liked her. So why is she coming back? Then we get to the after party slash Chelsea's birthday, right? Marshall shows up and He's like, you know, there's a conversation that needs to happen. So he takes Jackie aside and apologizes to her for like pressuring her into a relationship and how he didn't want to let go when he should have and like things were in their course and he was just trying to keep it going. Right. And Jackie apologizes for how messy the breakup was, which, okay. I mean, you were outright homophobic, but yeah, let's call it messy. And says, you know, like, I should have been more open and more nurturing. You know, you deserve everything. And, you know, it's basically just a back and forth of like, you deserve to be happy. No, so do you. And like, you know, basically they just make up and she's like, you know, I really did like you. And it's like, no, you didn't. You didn't, but fine. I think she's just, they don't want to like, they want to tiptoe around the like outright homophobia that she put towards Marshall. Okay, that's y'all's choice. But like, don't, you didn't like him. You did. You didn't. This is what you like. You like Josh and his little broccoli ears, but fine. Irina, evil Irina, apologizes to the chick that she was laughing at in the pods. She was also interested in Paul uh, it was like between her and Micah and, you know, she was like crying. I guess Paul had broken up with her in the pods. So she came back and was crying in that girl's lounge and talking to Micah about it. And Irina was just like standing behind an oven, like giggling about how funny it was. Right. So Irina's apologizing, apologizing to her. And the girl's like, hmm. Okay, because Arena's lying. She's like, I didn't realize that you were crying in that moment. And the girl's like, well, 
I don't really believe you. It seems like you guys both knew because you knew who I just came out of the pods with and obviously I was upset. But you're lying. It's okay. We can just both move on. And then Paul and Micah have their little sit down and Micah's like, you know, I just feel like you're kind of speaking out of both sides of your mouth because we're texting, but you still got this chick, right? And I was actually really shocked to know that you were talking to somebody, which I would be curious about the timeline of this because I noticed Paul was like talking to somebody and he was very open about that on social media. So I don't know where the confusion lies. Again, I feel like this is like made up drama. We got to... Get, we have a runtime here. <laughs> so this is what we're getting. Uh, but basically, like, they make up, if you want to call it, not even make up, they move on from each other because Micah's like, you know, I just can't, <clears throat> you know, I don't think we can be friends. I need to protect my heart, right? So more real drama begins with Monica. Again, another chick that we did not see, really, in the pods, but she was one of those couples who got engaged and we never saw it. She got engaged to Broccoli Ear Josh. So Keisha, who we talked about earlier, who was like, I don't I don't want any attention, but I'm here on TV. Keisha, Jackie, Monica, and somebody else were part of like they formed some like group of besties called the Core Four. So Monica like I said, had been engaged to Josh. We did see footage of the engagement and that would have been some good television where it was very clear that Monica was not into him. Uh, Not physically. The physical wasn't the issue. It was the personality. And that's something that would have been a love is blind first had we seen it. Then like, oh, now that I'm like really realizing this person, I don't like them and it's pretty immediate so we see like he's proposed she says yes and you know they have the little conversation afterwards but like oh my god I can't believe you I can't believe I'm seeing you for the first time and he's like cracking all these jokes like right like I got you mama blah 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 all this like misogynistic bullshit she's like wow you got all these lines in your pocket don't you (laughs) and then they get engaged and you know after that they separate before the vacation and she's goes back into her side. She looks in the mirror and she goes, I'm engaged to a lunatic. <laughs> so Josh says he confessed that his feelings for Jackie and move forward. Right. And everything was fine. But Monica is telling Brett and Tiffany, she also thought everything was cool until she spoke about her engagement. Apparently Josh didn't like that. She didn't think it would be a big deal, but Josh didn't want it out at all that he had been engaged. So She's here to talk about it. And I thought, thank you, Monica. Like, we didn't, I know nothing about you before this, but you're at least giving me something, right? So Jackie tells her side of the story was that Monica made all these TikToks and she spoke to bloggers or whatever. And she thought that Monica was being messy and like she couldn't let go of the situation and that she needs to move on. So Jackie and Monica sit down and Monica's like, girl, I love you. We're best friends. I don't want to hurt you. I just want to know what happened because we haven't been speaking. I want to know what I did because I'm feeling the tension. So Jackie's like, girl, I'm not upset at you at all. But like, I also am because I felt like you were being shady and messy and vindictive by even bringing this up. And so Monica is like, I sent you guys 
what I said. I get, it sounds like she did an interview that was going to come out. She sent that interview to Josh and Jackie prior to its release, to its public release. And she thought everything was chill. And it wasn't like, oh, she had ulterior motives and was just talking about her engagement because Josh happened to be the villain or one of the villains of the season. She's like, respectfully, I don't give a shit about Josh. Our friendship is what's most important. So like, how do we make this work? Jackie just starts crying and is like, it sucks because she knows that there's no way (laughs) that Josh is going to allow her to still be friends with Monica. Like she knows that and she's choosing her man. And even Monica's like, you shouldn't have to choose between your relationship and your friendship. Like, and I support you guys, even when you're going through stuff, like even when you're talking about, you know, all this stuff, like, you know, it's just weird to me. So Jackie's just like standing there crying and Monica's like, she, it clicks to her. This is all Josh. So she's like, do, do I need to talk to Josh? Right? It, it seems like I maybe need to talk. So Jackie invites Josh over and he's like, well, let me just say, no one asked you to talk about our story. You're allowing these negative comments to stay up about me on your Instagram. Because I guess she posted something like about their story. People rightfully or you know not surprisingly posted like oh josh sucks and he's like mad that she did not delete those negative comments about him so she says i have a career and he's like yeah well i think you're trying to clout chase blah 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 so monica's like jackie i don't know how you deal with this he's like a six-year-old so monica and jackie are now getting into it and then jackie gets up and is like i don't want to do this and she leaves trying to take her mic pack off, going back to like video village. It's out in the street. Cause she's like, I don't want to do this. Josh follows behind her and he's like, are you going to allow somebody to ruin your time here? And Jackie tells him, we don't have any ill intentions. Like we just wanted to be happy. But like, then she does her little side interview with this, with the cameras. And she goes, you know, sometimes you have to think about how things just aren't for you. And then she's crying as she's saying this, like, basically she's being like, I'm choosing my man. It's tough, but this is the choice that I'm going to make. And she's crying. She goes, Jesus wept. Amen. Jackie out. (laughs) So while Jackie's outside, Josh comes inside and he's like, I don't like drama. You know, Monica's still clout chasing, blah, blah, blah. And Chelsea hears this and tells Josh, don't accuse somebody of clout chasing. Go take care of your woman and go live your life beat it weirdo so after the altar ends with chelsea watching kwame play soccer like they're having their happy happily ever after zach and bliss you know we know that her dad was like real rough around the edges about their relationship but he promised them to send them off on a european vacation if they um lasted a year so they're heading off to spain or whatever and that's that. No more Jackie, no more Josh. The darkest thing of all is Jackie choosing this man, this goofy, and be like, well, I guess I'm just not going to have friends. Not ones that Josh doesn't approve of. Bye. And that was dark. But everybody else seemed happy, so. Oh, well, let's move on to Team Mom. To understand me, I do not think I would ever be able to have a kid anytime soon because my parents were obviously very young. Just even thinking about it is really stressful because I have my own life right now. I have a chance to go to college, a good college if I want it, um, to even have like a good career. And I want to be able to have a kid when I have a job 
in a future that I can look to and not be so young that I'm strapped and like deprived from that. All right, let's talk Teen Mom. I did a recap of the first maybe five or six episodes a while back, and I figured because it's a holiday weekend, this is a perfect time to dive into the next few episodes. Uh, um, I have to issue a correction for myself, unfortunately. So last time I did this, I was talking about Caitlin and Tyler, or rather Tyler's uh, OnlyFans, and they were purporting it to be like, husband sends picture to wife and Caitlin was going to be the uh, owner of the account and like posting this content. And they were like, there's not going to be porn, not no sex, whatever. We're like, not going to be like Farah. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was wrong. I was wrong. And I wish that I was right. You guys, but I was wrong. Shout out to Amanda. We love to hate everything podcast. Um, sent me, a DM that said, uh, no, these are not just our standard bathroom selfies that we usually get from Tyler hidden behind a paywall. I saw that man's appendage in a helicopter motion. And that will be emblazoned in my brain for the end of time, until the end of time. And I, I don't appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it was just a lot. Those of you guys were asking you little freaks, what it was like. I will have to say, like, typically, even though the basis of this show is people having sex and getting pregnant early, uh, I never viewed Caitlyn and Tyler as, like, do you ever just view people as, like, Barbie people? Like, in the sense that, like, I just don't think of them as having genitals. So even though Caitlyn and Tyler have, like, four kids... I just don't really think of them as like sexual beings. So the bar was extremely low. That being said, even if the bar was like normal, yeah, I mean, I don't want it, but it was not small. I will say that it wasn't small. <laughs> and that's all I can talk about with regard to either of those two sexuality. Well, let's move on. There really wasn't a whole lot of Caitlyn. As you guys know, they just do like a rotating cast of moms uh, for every episode. And like sometimes they're in, sometimes they're out. Uh, the first half of this series or this season, Amber was not in and Caitlyn was. And it's looking like maybe we're switching out Amber and Caitlyn uh, for the seasons. I could be wrong. But uh, mostly what we've, you know, what we've missed from Caitlyn and Tyler's storyline from the last time I updated you guys was that Caitlyn's brother, somebody that she, you know, we've seen him from a little kid on the show, a little toe-headed blonde boy. Um, you know, Caitlyn feels like I am like his mother, really. Uh, he had gone on the internet and said some pretty gnarly things about Caitlyn and Tyler, had like tried to extort them for money and stuff. And Caitlin was really just struggling with like, basically like, you know, can't, they're not going to break the fourth wall by being like, I'm on the show and I have a certain level of fame and money because of it. Right. And my parent, my family is trying to take advantage of it. And my mom has probably gotten into my brother's ear about stuff and making me the bad guy. And, you know, I am the one who really gave this kid the most normal shot or most sh the biggest shot at a normal life than he could have ever had living with our mom. Like we've seen April. Right. So it, I felt bad for her. I really did. 
And this is not the first time this has come up. Recently, uh, her brother has gone on Instagram Live and was trying to out Tyler for having a boyfriend in Arizona or New Mexico or something. And like, I don't know. I, I, this kid is, he's like a teenager and it just feels like he's being poisoned by his mother. And it's just very sad. Well, let's move on to Cheyenne. She also didn't really have too much going on. Ryder has some sleeping issues um, that they think is due to her uh, having to be woken up every two hours as a baby because of her uh, VLCAD condition that she had. They would have to wake her up every two hours to feed her. So they think like, oh, she just like doesn't know how to sleep through the night. So they basically speak to a specialist, you know, as a co-parent with Corey and the other one. I always forget her husband's name, (laughs) Um, but they all have this talk with a sleep specialist who tells them just like create a reward system for for Ryder. Right. So, you know, they give her a little box of treats. They're like, okay, if, if you can stay in your bed all night. Because she's, like, leaving the room, saying she needs water. She's, like, going into the parents' bedroom, and it's, like, messing up their flow. And, like, you know, they're not allowed to... They can't be newlyweds with a a four-year-old, you know, trying to play whatever on her phone, right? At three o'clock in the morning. So, they do that, and they, like, make a whole big deal out of it. You guys, I love Ryder. She's, like, the cutest, cutest little thing. So, they set up this little party with all the... The balloons that say sleep and it, it just like it works out really well she's you know adorable jade has again not too much of a storyline other than just more of the same old bullshit with poor jade her mama is you know and her stepfather their sobriety is not great because of that they're like hopping from you know one motel to the other they're asking for money and it's just like she's having to be the parent and she's sick of it so they're finally able to get both of her parents into separate rehabs so they you know both out of in different states so they can't be together and it seems like time goes by and we only hear from her mom who seems to be doing well. They get to speak 10 minutes a day. And during her mom being in rehab, she, Jade, gets a call from the therapist who's like, hey, maybe you should look into joining Al-Anon. So she does. And it's very interesting to hear her have this conversation with Sean, who's been sober for quite some time. And you can see, in my opinion, it's, Very much like Jade has been wrestling all of her adult life between Sean's lack of sobriety and her parents' lack of sobriety. And all of the lack of boundaries and, you know, security and drama and screaming that comes with that, right? And the money. And so Sean is sober. And that's like, great. A good weight off the shoulders. He's been sober for a while. I don't think he has a job. I don't know if he's really contributing to the household. I mean, I'm sure he's watching Chloe. But I think more, it's like, I don't know if she really can trust Sean. I don't get the sense that she trusts Sean to, like, really be that support to her in a way that, like, a fiancé and a husband should. I think she's mostly just relieved that he's been consistently sober and not been a pain in her ass like her parents have been. So she's having this conversation with Sean about Al-Anon and she's like, you know, he, he's asking her about, 
did you talk about your mom? Did you talk about this and that? She's having to explain to him, it's not about her. This is about like my feelings and me working out like all this whole tangled web that has been woven by frankly all three of y'all. <laughs> and like, this is about me. This is not about my mom. This is not about me. Like, you know, whatever. This is about my feelings and like all that. And you could just tell that he was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> Cause she says, I don't have a support system. And or she says something like that. Like who, who am I going to go as my support system? And he raises his hand and he goes, she goes, put your hand down. <laughs> Oops. Whoa. <laughs> okay. And it just really occurred to me that, like, none of these women have a really good, equally yoked uh, support system in their male partners. Not even Cheyenne, because we know that Zach's name is not on that deed. She was tripping about Zach having the possibility of having to go to jail when they had already planned their wedding. Like, he's been... You know, like he, and he's the best case scenario, frankly. Him and Taylor. I guess we'll give it up to Taylor. Taylor's got his little t-shirt line that I'm not sure if anybody wears it outside of uh, him and Macy and their immediate family and friends, but it is a business. (laughs) It does seem to be having, it, it seems to have an active website. I will say that. They paid GoDaddy for this year, so sorry, Taylor. I will include you in that as well. And, like, Gary is a really nice dad, but we all know who's running the show there. It's Leah. (laughs) It's Leah, frankly. Speaking of Leah, let's get into Amber's storyline, because, like I said, she came back on episode eight. We had not seen her until then. She hops on the Zoom call with the girls and is like, oh, I needed to take a break. She herself used air quotes. (laughs) I needed a break. And she's like, you know, I did think I was done for good, but I'm back. So she doesn't have custody of James. Her baby daddy has him out in California. So she gets to visit James when she goes out there, right? Leah, her daughter, goes to the doctor for a checkup uh, with her stepmom. And they find out, oh, you know, Leah's got like a lot of pain with regard to her period. And so the doctor suggests that she go on birth control. And this was the moment that in my mind, I just like never thought would happen. That we would actually, that this show would actually have run so long that we're seeing these kids be about the same age that they were, that their parents were, when they had them. So, obviously, we know Leah. Leah's wise beyond her years. Um, Whether that's through circumstances or whatnot, I think it might be a little bit of both, inherent and circumstantial. But they... Gary calls Amber to say, hey, Leah's going to go on birth control. We're going to have this conversation on camera because she agreed to it. So, like, just we're letting you know, right? She's like, great. She and Gary are having this conversation. Like, it would have been awesome if I was writhing on the floor as a teenager that my mom fought to get me birth control to help me out. Or, you know, like, you know. So she, (laughs) Gary, Leah and Gary are having this conversation out in the front yard. (laughs) Leah respectfully god bless her has surpassed her parents maturity level and intellectual level several years ago it seems <laughs> and so i think she like allows gary to parent her but she already knows what it is you know what i mean 
It's like, I'm going to let you, Dad, say these things because it is the natural order of things, but just know that I've already come to these conclusions. I, I've made these determinations on my own a long time ago, so, but we can do this. You need this, and I'm going to let you have it. So they're having this whole conversation and, you know, <laughs> talking about protection and he's like I know that this is not why you're taking it however like there are extra benefits to this and you know there are there's going to be a time where this is going to come up so Gary <laughs> Gary gets all flustered and he's like yeah oh, gosh um like I don't really know how to say this but you know if you're going to rob somebody don't use a gun and Leah just looks at him and goes what <laughs> What he's trying to say is, like, if I'm not going to be there for you to be making stupid decisions, like, don't make... I don't know. <laughs> he's like, if you're going to be doing something dumb, like, don't be that dumb. Like, if you're going to be having sex, at least wear protection or something. I don't know what he was trying to say, but he's like, okay, okay. She's like, and then he also tells her, you know, if you ever want to talk about anything to do with your body or sexuality or sex or anything, like, you can come to me. And she's like, actually, I think I would go to Christina first about this because she's, you know, a woman and she understands my point of view. And then she can find a way to tell you. You see what I mean? Like, she already knows what's going down. <laughs> she's like seven cents ahead of Gary, but like, sure, right? And then Leah says, in a in her own confessional, um, I don't know what bingo cards y'all were put me on with regard to who was going to be the one to have the next kid, but it ain't going to be me. I have a I have a college ahead of me, and I can go to a good school. Okay, I'm not even thinking about having a kid. The thought of it stresses me out, so it ain't going to be me. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Macy and Ryan. Oh, Lord, Ryan ended up destroying that house that he had with his wife and kids ends up getting arrested. They said that there was fecal matter. Y'all can see the body cam footage of him destroying that entire house in a way. I don't even know how that was physically possible for him to do. It must have taken him hours and he must have been exhausted. But we're talking cabinets off the off the walls. I mean, just like spray painting the walls of stuff about... His wife, just like crazy, crazy stuff. But we really breeze over that to a clip of, uh, oh, um, at one point Larry's outside, posted outside the jail with, um, I believe, Kiki, the producer. And he's like, you know what, Kiki? No matter what happens, that's my boy. That's my boy's in there. And it's like, okay, Larry. It's like, how many passes are we going to give Ryan? Like, they don't... I am get frustrated with, with Larry Mimi Jim because I just don't feel like they help him. They feel like enabling in a way that is not helpful to Ryan. But anyway, they we then see Ryan and Mimi Jen and Larry have this conversation out in the front yard, right? Somebody's mudding or something like that. And Larry tries to hammer in to Ryan the father aspect of like, you have kids and I know those kids are the light of your life, Ryan. And it's like, no shade, but what if they're not? I mean, <laughs> is this hot, a hot take? Even, like, not... <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah, I just don't think that, like, you have kids works on everybody. 
You know what I mean? And I think I'll just keep it cute and say it, keep it like that. But he's like, you know, I'm not going to be here forever, Ryan. Like, you got to take care and, and, you know, be careful because I, I can't help you forever. Then Ryan texts Macy to meet up. And we're led to believe this is really not something that's happened. Like, maybe that they're on better ground, Macy and Ryan, but they haven't, like, hung out or seen each other. So Ryan takes Macy to talk. And one of the whack things about this show is that to tr- tie the storylines together, it's like all the moms are on a group chat. So they'll be like introducing their storyline by recording themselves and being like, hey girls, this is what's going on in my life. Like, I'm going to be hanging out with Ryan. We haven't hung out. I'm like a little bit nervous, right? And as she's recording herself, I'm noticing... Do y'all remember when people were putting that baby face filter on? Because I think that's what Macy did. And it's just very distracting to hear somebody speak very seriously about their baby daddy's drug addiction while they look like a Pixar baby. Like, she looked like Boss Baby. It was just very hard. Like, y'all can't do that anymore. So then they meet up. They're talking through things and Ryan's talking about like, oh yeah, like I have anxiety. And Macy says, Ryan, I heard while you were in jail that you were put on suicide watch and you need to talk to somebody about that. And he looks at her. He's like, about what? Like, what would I even say to them? Like, not even in a sad way. It just seemed like he genuinely was like, people talk about that. (laughs) And it's not funny, but it's just like. This is what I mean with, like, Larry and Jen. How does this kid not even... Y'all have never discussed that. It just feels like there's a lot of, like, we just walk around the issues and, like, say these platitudes and, like, hope that Ryan picks up what we're putting down. And I'm not saying that they're responsible for his sobriety. They're not. But I just feel like they also pussyfoot a lot with that kid. And it doesn't help either. So, Ryan, you know, tells Macy, I don't under like, who, why would I explain to anybody how I feel? I don't get that. And so Macy's like, listen, I would rather you be a pain in my ass than not here on this earth at all. So if you're feeling some type of way, you need to call me. And he gets emotional and that made me sad because I think all of this time, He's really loved Macy and, like, at very least respected her or liked her. And he's just, like, all of this bullshit got in the way. And he just, like, he didn't know how to handle his emotions towards her. And so it just was, like, hatred, right? But I don't think he ever really hated her. This comes up with a conversation with Devoin and Brianna. And I'm thinking, like, I don't think this was y'all's situation. But I do think it might be Ryan and Macy's. Um, So... I, you know, honestly, I I hope the best for Ryan in the next episode preview. It looks like he overdoses and Macy gets very scared. And, you know, it it is sad because it does, it just feels like, you know, we're watching a car crash and you never want to do that. It's really tragic. All right, let's talk about Ashley. Oh, Lord. So y'all know that I was like hemming and hawing about Barr because he had been blessed with community service and if you don't just do like if i think like a hundred hours of community service and if he didn't complete that hundred hours he was gonna be due for six years 
of Clankety Clank, right? And so when I told y'all last time, he was like, this was two months to the deadline of him completing these hundred hours. Mind you, this man does not have a job, whatnot. So at the two month deadline mark, he starts setting this up. Ashley, I don't know if I'm going to complete these hours. I don't know. Like, it just feels like every time I try, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, and blah, 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 whatever, right? So now we're coming up to the deadline. His court date, real quick. So Barr's telling Ashley, oh, you know, the lady at the Salvation Army where I've been doing my community service at isn't pressed to be logging my hours. And then we find out that this lady went on vacation. So now leading up to his court date, he's like, oh, gosh, I don't have my hours. She hasn't signed this paper. I could go back to jail. He's telling the producer, like, it could be a situation where, yeah, they're like, you're a risk. You don't even live in the state anymore. So we don't know if you're going to, like, really adhere to these rules. So we're just going to keep you locked up until things get sorted out. Right. He So he goes to court. And he calls Ashley and says, you know, uh, oh, sorry. Before that, he's like explaining this to Ashley about the hours, right? And of course, Ashley's dumbass is like, this is not your fault at all. We're both just doing the best we can. It's like, no, you might be, but he's not. He is not. So then Barr goes to court and he FaceTimes Ashley to say, oh, they're going to push back this court date two more weeks. So it's looking like this might be um, conflicting with the wedding that she's planned. Only in this point does she start getting pissed off about Barr's lack of responsibility. Oh, because now she's like, I put this deposit down on a wedding venue and now that's in jeopardy. So finally she snaps. She's on the phone with her mom and she's like, Barr's selfish. He wouldn't know better if I took my own brain out, put it on a cerebral cortex and pinged information straight to him. And Pastor T, her mom is like, well, that's the man you chose, girl. And Ashley's like, but I'm tired. I'm not tired of playing his woman. I'm tired of playing his mama. And Pastor T says, you know, there's an epidemic of men who don't fit the quality of what a man should be. And I really like Barr. But, girl, don't wait 20 years for him. Good luck, sister. <laughs> and then she hangs up. So Barr and his, like, emotional support, uh, I'm a good boy turtlenecks, come walking back through that door. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to do right. So she just, like, pops off on him. Well, like, you're a loser. Sorry. But, like, he's been this way this whole time, Ashley. And this was inevitable when you were going through school and he was like oh i can't seem to get my ged application done much less the courses and when you finished and he's going to jail for shooting a gun i believe at your graduation party because he was too too turned up and excited you should have thought this might not be the man for me and i get it I get you don't want to... She loves this man. She does. And they do have chemistry. And there is a lot of potential in Bar. But that's all there is in Bar. And there's not a turtleneck in the world that's going to fix that. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Moving on to Brianna, she, we find out well, she has lupus, or we've known that she's had lupus, right? But she had recently found this, like, rather large lump under her armpit. So she went to the dermatologist, they took a culture, and she has to wait on the results to see what it is. So she comes back with a mysterious bacteria. They don't know what it is. They're just like, well, here's some antibiotics. Stick to the plan for a month. And when her mom is like, hey, you need to be really serious about taking these antibiotics, especially because you don't know what you even have. So, like, be diligent. And Brianna's like, ugh. She actually yawns in her mom's face. She goes, oh, it's always something. It's like, yeah, your health. Your health, girl. What are we being willy-nilly about the antibiotics for? But our cliffhanger from last time I spoke was that Devoin had been, like, on his good boy shit and was out of rehab. This must be the same place that these people are going to because Devoin went to rehab in Austin. Uh, Jade's mom went to rehab in Austin. I think uh, Ryan went to rehab in Austin. (laughs) How many? They couldn't have all gone to three separate ones, I'm sure. But anyway, um, so they go back to Devoin and Brianna fly to Austin to go to this therapist that he is comfortable with. right? And she says... Yo, like, I thought once you got out of rehab that you would, like, get a steady job and, like, get your life together, get a car, start helping me with our child and co-parenting. He's like, oh, well, I just don't really have the money like that. And, you know, I have to get my car registered and I can't afford it. And, you know, I just have been delaying things and... Ooh, I feel like my gambling addiction might creep up back in pretty soon. And so Brianna's, like, straight up... If you need something, if you need a car, you need the registration money, like, just let me know and I'll transfer the money, duh. She actually says that, duh. Brianna, this should not be duh territory. Duh is for people who have been consistently there for you and just have fallen on hard times. Not Devoin. So what happens, y'all? She leaves... Texas thinking, oh, we're in a great space. I'm going to transfer this money. He's going to get the car. He's going to be picking up the girls and like taking the dance class, blah, blah, blah. I know Nova's his only child, not, not the other one, but you know what I mean? Like they have, they all three of them have a close relationship. So she goes back to Florida and he's like, oh, I'm going to stay and kick it with my rehab friends. And she's thinking, oh, great. Like you're going to be with in a good bubble, a good space with sober people who are on the right path, right? Why does Shirley come over and Brianna holds up her phone 
and shows her a picture of Devoin on Instagram with a stack of ones to his head, like he's sexy red, and is like, oh, yo, uh, going in the back of the limo, by the way. Pa- caption of the picture, um, go into the strip club sponsored by my baby mama. And now Brianna's got to sit there like a smacked ass on her face, like an idiot. Because you were, you were going to go down to Cash App to give this man money. And here he is with $500 worth of ones. Like it's a like an old cell phone from the 80s. Get out of here. And it wasn't just the caption. It was also like he was responding to uh, people. Like somebody, I think somebody, this was blurred out. It sounded like somebody asked him, oh, is that your child support money that you're throwing out at the club? And I think he said, no, it's dick support. Like he's been... Like, she's been giving him money. Like, Brianna's been giving him money because of the dick that he's been giving her. Okay, weirdo. So this all goes back to Cheyenne. Cheyenne has a sixth birthday party for Ryder and invites the whole cast. We're talking people from Teen Mom, Young and Pregnant, like Kayla, Kaya, all those people. Like, the whole crew was there. Including Brianna. Brianna flies out. And when she gets there, Cheyenne's like, um, Brianna, did you know that Devoin is in LA right now, this weekend? And Brianna's like, no. Why? <laughs> Why is he here? So Cheyenne has Zach call and like kind of invite him to the party, but really get the tea of why the hell are you in California? He lies and says, oh, I was out here for a Laker game. Now you can fly to a Laker game from Orlando to LA, but you can't pay your car's registration to get you out back out on the road to get you a job and start parenting. Okay. (laughs) And that's the best case scenario is that you misappropriated funds to go to a Laker game. The worst case scenario is like you were stalking Brianna and we're like, Oh, I'm going to just like catch a spirit flight out here, try to flirt with her and make things right. I think it might be a little column A and column B. So Brianna has to confront Devoin and ask him, why are you here? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Like I was here for other reasons. And so she explained to him, yo, I didn't really like that post. Like it was really disrespectful. And he's like, you know, yeah, like I probably could have got done it the wrong, that another way I could have done things differently, but I wasn't like flexing or anything. You weren't, you weren't flexing from the back of a limo with hundreds of dollars in your hand saying, I'll go to the strip club sponsored by my baby mama. That's not a flex. Then what is Devoin? Because maybe I'm confused. And this leads leads us to the MVP of Teen Mom for this batch of episodes. Shockingly, it's going to your girl, Leah. Leah over in West Virginia. Woo. Woo. So last batch of episodes, Leah had been, you know, she had been, Leah's been sober-ish or, you know, like good for a while, right? She has not been popping pills with her daddy and sometime trying to put the dye on the baby's head. Same with her sister. And so her sister had been kind of dropping hints, yo, like dad's not in a good way, but he's like, we're talking and, you know, I think, Leah, I know that you feel some type of way about our dad, but I think you should talk to him because I honestly think that this time 
he really wants to get help. And I think that if you have a conversation with him, you might do some healing, but also I think it will be the extra push that he really needs and the encouragement he needs to go to rehab. So she calls him and she clearly does not want to talk to this man. And she's like being, keeping sweet. And you could tell that there's like a little bit of a breakthrough where he's like being contrite and is like, no, I really want help. And she's like, well, we can do it. We can get you out to California. Like it's no problem, whatever. So then they start like making these little jokes about California. Cause he's like, blah, blah, blah. like, I don't like it. She's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I bet you're just saying you don't like California. You've probably never even been there. And then he says, well, there's just too many F words and queers. Lord, forgive me, but that's the truth. Now, Leah's having this conversation, like, it seems like at a podcast soundstage or something. She's sipping from her venti Starbucks cup thinking that she's about to have like a breakthrough with her dad where they're like on the same level and he's like being nice and she's like this is a good idea and you could just see her face like you motherfucker and she like mid sip of her venti starbucks just freezes and then she goes you cannot say that And he goes, well, the Lord made male and female. And she goes, I don't approve of what you just said. And it pissed me off. So I'm going to get off the phone because I have nothing to say. And so he's like, no, no, no. Begging her. like, And he even like starts these fake tears. She hangs up on him. And she goes, go cry about it. (laughs) Good on you, girl. Good on you. And then she tells the camera. or She's like, in in her confessional, like, I have gay friends. Um, who have supported me way more than that man has. So fuck him. (laughs) And she tells her sister, I'm not doing it. She tells him what he said. And her sister's like, I'm really sorry for putting you in that position. I am. However, that is our father. And if he says that he's going to get help, I have to do this. And I have to see it through. And I get it. You don't want to be on this ride but I'm just, you can tell she's still struggling because that's like, at the end of the day, it's like her dad. And she's like, it is fucked up what he said. And I don't like it. But if he's going to get help and he is going to like even pretend to be honest about it, like I'm going to do that and I'm going to stick until the end. And so Leah's just like, okay, girl, <laughs> well, it ain't going to be me. And it looks in the like in the preview uh, that she takes the girls is to a pride festival and She's like, yeah, I want to show that we can be good allies. And I appreciated her for that. Good on her for for making some very clear decisions and hard boundaries because that could not have been easy. I can't. I mean, I think we've all been in positions where, even as open minded as our parents might be, that they might say something that you're just like, huh? <laughs> And it's never been that bad for any of my parents, thank God. Because I really, like, ooh, it would have been bad. But um, I I felt for her. I really did. Because in that moment, you could see, like, she was like, I knew he was going to do something like this. Like, I trusted him for two seconds and he fucked up. And for her to make that decision in that moment to be like, never, ever again, I'm going to let this happen. Shout out to her. Shout out to you, Leah. You did that. 
And with that, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of what you may have left of your holiday, or maybe you're back in the groove of things and listening to me. So hi. Sorry you're at work. (laughs) If you're able to give me a five-star review, I would really appreciate it. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do that on Spotify. You can check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash ebbm podcast. I'm going to be talking about BS High this week. Last week, I was on... There was my friend Lindsay. We talked about the Todd Tucker production, the past. It's a lot of mixed bag of goodness over there behind the gated walls of everyone's business but mine. So check it out. Uh...